What's cooking, good looking? I'm your host. The plane stealing, the boat riding, the restaurant sitting, the kangaroo boxing, host with the most, Ethan A. Dobbins. And welcome to the first episode of The Sports Addict. Oh man, it's good to say that, man. So today is all about the future of the NFL and the NBA. Now, more specifically, my first topic is going to be on how on earth can the Browns actually turn into a respectable team. Now, it's a near impossible task, just considering we are talking about the Browns after all. But um, even though they did finish 0-16, they had the whole parade finishing 0-16, I think there is some hope. You know, there's a good future, I believe. It's a very young team. But um, I want to take you guys back to 2013. I don't know what you guys were doing in 2013. I was in middle school, so like 7th grade. God, 7th grade. I was pretty dumb in 7th grade. I never reached honor roll, which is like a 3.0 GPA. I was always getting C's and D's. And I was getting like 10 detentions a year. It was a good time for me. It was a good time. I was partying around, you know, trying to be like the cool kids. But um, just to get back on point. John Dorsey is the man I want to talk about, who is the new Browns GM. He signed with them in December 2017. Now, in 2013, he was on the Chiefs. He was just hired after uh, working with the Packers from 2001 to 2011, where he won the Super Bowl in 2010, and he drafted, you might have heard of these people, Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews, two superstars on each side of the ball for the Packers. Now, over the next four years, so... He's on the Chiefs now. He signed after the 2012 season. His job is to turn the Chiefs into a competing franchise after they finish 2-14 with Matt Castle at quarterback. Now, the Chiefs have always been good, or at least recently they always have been, and a big reason for that is John Dorsey. Because when you have Matt Castle as your quarterback, how the hell are you supposed to win a game? Like Matt Castle was a 7th rounder from the Patriots. Pretty sure he plays for the Titans now as like a third or fourth stringer, like, it's just waste of space, in my opinion. Not totally going to rip on Matt Castle. He has decent career statistics, like 115 passing touchdowns, 87 interceptions, something like that. So, the first major thing Mr. Dorsey does is he does some trades. You might have heard of this one. He got Alex Smith from the 49ers, a backup quarterback to Colin Kaepernick at the time for a second and third rounder. Alex Smith, you know, reached the Pro Bowl this year, had an amazing season. Led the Chiefs to a great record. And he also drafted Mr. Eric Fisher, number one at left tackle. And Travis Kelsey. You might have heard of him in the third round. You know, he's a pretty good tight end. Probably the best besides maybe Gronkowski. That's the only argument you could really make. So, in his first season, he doesn't just turn a two-win team to like a respectable six, seven, eight-win team. He turns them into a, a mother-fudging 11-5 team. A dirt pile team into a respectable team. He's done it before. So, and he did it with arguably the best linebacker core in all of football with Tom Bali, Derek Johnson, and Justin Houston all making the Pro Bowl. I mean, you gotta make, that's just absolutely incredible. And in the process of his four years at the Chiefs, you know, we already talked about how he drafted Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews. So this guy, you know, he has an eye, he knows what he's doing. He's also drafted Marcus Peters, you might have heard of him as well, Kareem Hunt. And a man from, I believe, southern Alabama in the sixth round, the fastest wide receiver in the league, without a doubt, the cheetah himself, 
He's not even human. Tyreek Hill. So pretty good. So right now Dorsey has... I think he's sort of... He's pretty happy at this time. I mean, he's got four picks in the top two rounds. He's got two picks in the top five. I might think the Browns need different, like, players than what Dorsey thinks. You know, he might think he needs a quarterback. I honestly don't think the Browns need a quarterback. I think Kaiser is a decent franchise player. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar or anything, but I have the Browns needing a right tackle, a halfback, a wide receiver, and a corner. So if we're going to argue the whole quarterback situation, Kaiser, whatever, Kaiser sucks. He's so bad. He's really, he's not that in my opinion. And even though I would say this draft will have a superstar in it, and then a lot of people say, oh, the Browns didn't draft this guy. Oh, they didn't draft Deshaun Watson. They didn't draft Carson Wentz. I mean, there's probably going to be a superstar quarterback in at least every single draft class. You saw Dak Prescott two years ago. You saw Deshaun Watson this one. It's just a matter of timing, and some players are just more motivated to be better earlier on than others. And You know, a lot of people make the comparison with Baker Mayfield about Johnny Manziel, how they're so alike, you know, they're uncontrollable. They let their emotion get ahead of them. They make really poor decisions. I think Josh Rosen's a lot more like Johnny Manziel, honestly. Because Johnny Manziel had a lot of potential, just like Rosen does, but he sort of didn't need football. Johnny Manziel did not need football. He has a big brand. He has money. He knows what he's doing. He came from money. He did not need football. You know, obviously he wants to play in the Canadian Football League to, like, right now, I guess he's gotten that urge back, but he didn't really need it. Rosen is the same way. He doesn't need the money. He's just playing because it's something he wants to do. But he stated that, you know... I mean, Rosen's just, he's such, I don't want to say anything totally outright, like, roasting him to death, but, you know, on social media, he makes a lot of big claims. I know about Alabama, he made something like, everyone that goes to Alabama on the football team doesn't even go to school, something like that, they're just there to play football, and which is partly true, but he has a lot of off-the-field issues, too, like that, with the social media side, and Rosen also said that he does not want to play for the Browns. He does not want to get drafted. So it's sort of like Eli Manning back when he was drafted by the Chargers, saying he doesn't want to play for the Chargers, whatever, whatever. He gets traded for Phillip Rivers and everything. And the NFL balance uh, is, well, everything is balanced. But Darnold is another person who people would consider as a number one pick. And I would say both these quarterbacks have regressed this season from what was predicted of them. Like Rosen finished the season six and seven at UCLA. He finished four and eight the previous year. Darnold has had a lot of turnover issues at the college level, which is a serious problem, considering most college quarterbacks coming into coming into the NFL don't have really bad numbers. Like you look at Cam Newton, he won the Heisman. You look at Baker Mayfield, he has forty three passing touchdowns, six interceptions. These are guys who dominate in college, and then when they go to the pros. It's sort of a tough jump. So why would someone who's struggling in college suddenly be good in the pros? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Obviously, it happens, but with quarterbacks, it's it's really less of a an occurrence, I would say that. But in response to everyone saying that Kaiser's not good enough, I want to sort of argue his case with a lot of statistics because Kaiser ranked 24 out of 30 quarterbacks in passing yards this season, which is ahead of number three pick, Mitchell Trubinsky, he also is number three 
in rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks. The number three, only Dak and Newton had more rushing touchdowns than him at quarterback. They both had six, so only one more than him. He was also fourth in rushing yards among quarterbacks. So clearly, he has potential as a runner, and that's not a bad trait to have. All he needs is really to develop a good passing game to stay in the pocket, and he should be a really good quarterback. I don't see why people are giving up on him. He was a second rounder. He clearly won his job over, uh, I think it was RG3. I don't know if RG3 was cut, but there was two other quarterbacks. I'm, I'm blanking, but you know he's got potential in my opinion because he doesn't have a ton of weapons to really work with. You look at the offensive line. Joe Thomas was injured with a triceps injury. It was his first injury like as a pro, I think, because he had that enormous streak. So he might have been injured, but he kept playing regardless. So his offensive line gave up the seventh most sacks in the NFL. So obviously Kaiser's to blame as well, but he's getting pressured a lot. And they gave up the most quarterback hits in the league. So any quarterback that's coming into the Browns is going to get absolutely bamboozled with hits. They're going to get barraged. They're going to get mentally destroyed by hits. Like, imagine as a quarterback, you're getting hit that much every game. You're a rookie. You're going to be like, oh, man, this is a long season. i got to deal with this for the rest of my career. I don't think a lot of quarterbacks really want to deal with that. And I can't see Rosen or Darnold coming into a situation like that, and they're just going to thrive. Like, seriously, that's, that's a tough argument to make. So, even though he was hit the most amount of times, and... Let's face it, his best wide receiver is Josh Gordon, a man who's missed over 50 consecutive NFL games. So again, not a lot to work with there. He did have the second lowest completion rate. Again, his wide receivers are not the best. You saw in Week 17, Corey Coleman drops an absolute dime right through his hands. And they could have won that game. They really could have beat the Steelers in their second team, I guess. Now, a main issue, because Kaiser gets pressured a lot, is... He had the most interceptions in the league. He threw six more than the second worst, Cam Newton. Kaiser had 22 interceptions. Newton had 16. He also had the worst quarterback rating. Oh, I nearly hiccup there. I don't know if you heard that. But even though he's clearly had struggles, a lot of rookies do have struggles. Peyton Manning had struggles. He threw 28 interceptions in his first season. He was terrible as a rookie. A lot of people considered him as a bust and leaf. They consider him to be, you know, better after their first season. But if you give Kaiser time, I really think he can be a decent quarterback and at least lead the Browns to a respectable record. I don't see why Dorsey needs to replace him straight off the bat. And let's face it, you don't really need a superstar quarterback to get into the playoffs in the NFL. You look at the NFL, the Final Four right now in the playoffs, you have Case Keenum, you do have Tom Brady, but you have Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is in the championship game right now. Not the Super Bowl, but he's in the AFC championship game. That's that's sort of like a testament that you don't need a great quarterback. I mean, seriously, Blake Bortles. What's that guy ever done? I mean, he had more rushing yards and passing yards than, like, the first playoff game. That's, I don't know. I just, you know, I still love Blake Bortles, though. Whatever. But Cleveland is right now bottom in the league in points. Scored because, you know, their offense struggled a lot. They're second worst in points allowed, which is, you know, a correlation with points. If you're not scoring points, you're most likely going to be giving up points because you're on defense more often. They had the worst turnover differential in the league, which killed them because Kaiser threw a lot of interceptions. The defense did not make many plays this year. But on the flip side, their defense wasn't that bad. They really were probably mid-table, maybe even 
upper mid in the league. They were probably top 16 in my opinion because they gave up the seventh uh, least amount of rushing yards in the NFL. But the problem is uh, passing yards, they were sort of mid-table. But they were 14th in the NFL in total yards allowed, so not bad at all. But again, a lot of that has to do with field positioning. A lot of the teams that are coming onto the field probably have good positioning because Kaiser threw a lot of picks. But when you look at their linebackers, the linebackers had a terrific season. You see Kirksey and Schobert both were top four in the NFL in tackles. So linebacker's not an issue with the team. Dorsey does not need to actually uh, replace those guys in the draft. They're totally fine at linebacker. And to go to the running game now, Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell are who I'm going to talk about. So Duke Johnson's right now 24 years old. He didn't do that good this season in the rushing game. In fact, Kaiser had more rushing yards than him. And Johnson is fairly undersized. He's only 5'9", 210, so not a typical NFL running back that's going to last a long time. But where he really thrived was receiving. He was one of Kaiser. He was Kaiser's top target. Kaiser threw 700 receiving yards to Johnson. So he is one of those guys that's sort of fitting the new mold of running backs where they're now a lot more involved in the passing game. You see Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Le'Veon Bell, always big pass-catching backs. You can like at least predict that they're going to get at least five catches a game, maybe like 40, 50 yards. So they're clearly a new wave uh, and a new sort of revolution in the running back position. Isaiah Crowell, you know, he's more of a bigger back, sort of change of pace. He's going to be a free agent, and I think Crowell should lead the team. You know, he's a decent running back, but no one's really going to be, oh, God, we're facing Isaiah Crowell this week. We've got to really plan against him. You know, we've got to plan on stopping him. No one's really saying that because Crowell is not exactly the best running back in the league. But um, now to go into the draft and what I think Dorsey should do to improve the Browns. I think the Browns have a lot of potential and a lot of ways they can actually utilize these top five picks. So first, uh, I have a few names listed. Saquon Barkley is the first one that really pops into my head here as a possible fit with the Browns. He looks like the best player in the draft. A lot of people have said he is the best player in the draft. And you just look on Instagram after every Penn State game, there seems to be a highlight tape of him hurling or juking somebody. It's just insane the amount of capabilities and possibilities you have with him as a kick returner, punt returner, wide receiver, slash running back. He fits the mold of a Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion, except bigger. He's 5'11", 233 pounds. He's going to be hit-sticking people nonstop. But the only argument really against Barkley is this is a stacked running back class. Like, it's actually insane. Because you have him, Darius Geis from LSU, TJ Love from Stanford, who, in my opinion, could have won the Heisman because he was just that good. And then you have both of the Georgia running backs, Sony Michelle and uh, Nick... Is it Nick Chubb? I don't want to get that wrong. But um, you saw both those Georgia running backs. They were absolutely dominating. And even against Alabama, even though Alabama didn't have the best uh, defensive personnel this year, they don't normally give up a ton of rushing yards. And Michelle was absolutely toasting them on third downs in that championship game. And it looked like he could lead them to a national championship, but, you know, eventually they blow it because Georgia likes to blow leads in championship games. But um, another person I would like to really see in a Browns uniform would be Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama. So Minka is voted unanimously uh, unanimously as the best corner in the country. He won the Jim Thorpe Award, you know, best corner in the country. 
And what I like is he's also like Barkley. He's very versatile, can be a safety. He can be a corner. He can cover tight ends and man coverage. This man's a freaking beast. He's an absolute tank. Even Nick Saban, who's coach freaks of nature out of high school, said he's never seen anything like Minka Fitzpatrick. He's absolutely insane. He looks like the most pro-ready player on the defensive side. And the Browns need, you know, help on the passing game. Their best corner is Jason McCourty, for God's sake. Jason McCourty's not going to really be able to cover top wide receivers. And you gotta, you gotta really got to think about this logically here. The Browns are going to face Antonio Brown and A.J. Green at least four times a year. And you want to put Jason McCourty on him? Jason McCourty on Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown's going to get like 200 receiving yards. Three touchdowns. That's a good fantasy week. I would pick him up. Number one pick of the draft right there, just because he plays the Browns two times. But if you have someone like a Minka Fitzpatrick, bro, I would scrap Antonio Brown. He's, he's going third round in my books. Because against the Browns, he's going to get shut down by Minka. Or maybe even Joshua Jackson out of Iowa. Because Joshua Jackson also, exact same size as Minka Fitzpatrick. 6'1", 192. He led the country with eight interceptions. He was second in the Jim Thorpe Award. And, you know, he looks like the best cover corner in right now coming into the NFL. So that's another possibility. And he signed with Gary Vaynerchuk's sports company. So that's another add-on right there. He's easily the best client. So I hope he does good in his career. Now, again, with the passing game, like I said, Jason McCourty was the only person on that team to actually record multiple interceptions. He had three. No one else had more than one. So clearly they need help there. Another area is obviously protecting Kaiser because they did give up the most quarterback hits. My uh, best lineman I have in this draft is Mike McClinchy from Notre Dame. He's 6'7", 310 pounds. I mean, God dang. That's a wall. I mean, imagine facing that as a defense end. You just see a wall in front of you. How do you get past a wall? Now, he was a left tackle, but the biggest area the Browns really need is a right tackle. Coleman in the second season was absolutely terrible. I think Pro Football Focus rated him as the worst right tackle starting in the NFL. So clearly the Browns need help there. So McClinchy is a possible option, 6'7", 3'10". Like I said, he faced some of the best defense ends in the country, like Bradley Chubb, who I believe is rated as the number one defensive end in most mock drafts, and he shut him down. So I'd really like to see McClinchy in the Browns uniform as well. Him, maybe Minka Fitzpatrick. Maybe both Minka Fitzpatrick and Joshua Jackson really turning around that secondary and along with you know Jabril Peppers, Miles Garrett, that's an incredibly young and talented defense. But I'm going to end it there with the whole Browns discussion. The Browns have a lot to think about this offseason, especially John Dorsey. And I have a lot of confidence in him because he did turn around the Chiefs. You know, he's got a lot of success in his career. So hopefully the Browns can win maybe if I would to if I was to predict it, I would say they're going to win three or four games this year. I think they can seriously win because they were that close. They choked to the Packers because, you know, the Browns always lose regardless of what the situation is, even against Brett Hundley. How do you lose to Brett Hundley? So, I mean, seriously, that's why the defense needs a lot of revamping. Devontae Adams caught that 21-yarder in overtime. But I have been rambling a lot, so I'm going to go into the next section and the final section of today's podcast, which is my top five rookies in the NBA so far this season so i'm just gonna take a quick break and i'll see you in a bit (coughs) and you are listening to the sports attic podcast welcome back i'm uh glad you can join us and actually have put up listening to me for more than 20 minutes i applaud you that is 
seriously something I can't even do, even though I will have to edit all this. But um, I was sort of choking on a Doritos Nachos Locos Taco from Taco Bell. And uh, if you're wondering, they're at any of your nearest Taco Bells, you know. They're uh, pretty good, actually. God, I had one of those like a week ago, but I was on the toilet for like 30 centuries, so I don't really recommend it if you actually like your body and want to take care of it. But let's go back to the NBA. So I want to keep this podcast to around maybe like 32 minutes, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on everybody, maybe spend more time on a lot of people. So first person I want to talk about, this is going to be a lot more personal, less uh, a lot less based on stats, because it is my opinion on who I think should win Rookie of the Year so far. Number five, I have Kyle Kuzma on my list. So the ones, the notable like snubs I have are Laurie McKinnon, who I love, the Finnish monster. I hope he has a great career. And he looks like he is going to have one. He's out of Arizona, seven-footers, who shoot three-pointers. You know, that's always good in my books. I would love to have him. Um, him, Dem- Dennis Smith Jr., and uh, uh, there's not that many outstanding rookies this year. Let's... Let's be honest, there's no LeBron James. But um, number five, I have Kyle Kuzma. Everyone knows Kuzma, him and Lonzo Ball, you know, great teammates. Obviously, the Lakers are rebuilding this year, so Kuzma is getting a giant role. He's averaging nearly 17 points a game, 6.4 rebounds, and 2 assists. So he's getting a lot of minutes as well. You know, that's a big reason why he's putting up great stats. But, you know, he's looking like a real talent. I mean, I think he was drafted, like, outside of the top 25. So Magic Johnson clearly saved his job with that pick. You know, otherwise the Lakers' massive fail at number two uh, would be a lot more harsh. I mean, imagine if he drafted some nobody. Like, Kuzma has really been the perfect pick. You know, he was amazing in summer ball. He's been doing really good in the NBA. He's putting up 30-point games, you know, here and there. But uh, he's looking like the real deal. And he's... He's very young as well. He's only 22 years old. So he looks like a power forward that's honestly better than Julius Randle, who a lot of people thought would be the franchise player of the Lakers. So him, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, it's a really young core. And it's going to take a few years for them to develop. I also have Lonzo Ball at number four. And just to segue into that, Lonzo has 10.2 points. And he's averaging 7.1 assists and rebounds. So awesome stats. But the problem with Lonzo is... He's one of the worst shooters in the freaking NBA. He's absolutely terrible shooting. Like, if you ever look at his form, he, he looks constipated. He looks like he's in pain. Like, how do you shoot like that? I mean, like, imitate his shooting form, but it's it's just, it's such a train wreck. I don't even want to dwell on it. But Lonzo is shooting 30% from three, which is very bad for a guard. from field goal, which is one of the lowest in the NBA uh, from the guard position. And it's a big reason why the Lakers, from three, are easily the worst. Three-point percentage-wise, the Lakers do have the worst three-point percentage. They're shooting 33%. And to put that in context, the Warriors are shooting 38%, which is the highest. So you might not think that's a big difference, but it actually is when you think about how important the three-ball is in the NBA nowadays. That's the reason why the Lakers are, what, 14 and, like, 28 and the Warriors are like 33 and 9 so that makes a big difference obviously Warriors have a lot more star power than the Lakers but Alonzo's had a decent season um main issue with him is he's getting a ton of minutes he's averaging 35 minutes a game which is more than any other rookie except Ben Simmons and his efficiency is absolutely 
I don't want to say terrible, but it's below average because PER is a measure of like how good an NBA player is doing. It's automatically for everyone. It starts at 15. LeBron James has the best PER. It's over 30, which is absolutely insane. And Lonzo is at 12. So he's clearly got work to do there and just making sure the Lakers are more efficient on offense and defense because Lonzo's not the best defender in the world too. But he is, you know, above average for a rookie. So number three, I have Jason Tatum. Now, a lot of people might even have Jason Tatum number one. I, it's hard to disagree with that, except when you really look at the stats. But you can't argue with success. You can't argue with team success whatsoever. Jason Tatum has 31 minutes per game, 14 points per game, one assist, and around six rebounds. So the main thing to take from this is not exactly those stats, but what he's doing on defense and how efficiently he is from shooting. He's the exact polar opposite of Lonzo Ball. Like, the, what are you doing, Lonzo? What are you doing? But Jason Tatum has the third highest three-point percentage in the league as a rookie. I mean, that's actually insane. He needs to shoot more threes. I don't know why he's not. He, he could be averaging 20 points a game if he shoots more threes. And he's been just the perfect replacement for Gordon Hayward. The Celtics have not taken a step back from when Gordon Hayward got injured. They seem to have taken a step forward. The team chemistry looks great. The Celtics have the best record in the East. And there's a reason for it. Jason Tatum is not playing like a rookie. He's playing like a 10-year veteran. He's shooting 50% from the field, and the Celtics are right now top five in three-pointers made per game. They could be number two if Jason, you know, shoots a little more, shoots a little more from deep, you know. You know what I'm saying. But um, right now, their defense is a little bit suspect. I don't want to say their defense is. Their offense is averaging the 22nd most points per game, which is probably the major issue that you can find with the Celtics. They don't score enough points. Most of the times they lose, they're held to like 80 points, 90 points. But defense is actually where they thrive the most. I don't know why I said that's where they're iffy. But um, right now they're giving up the least amount of points in the league, only 97 points a game. That's actually insane. So Brad Stevens, you got to give kudos to him. He knows how to coach a team, get the best out of his players, and the Celtics are playing out of their skin. They're playing out of their potential, and Jason Tatum is just another point of how good Stevens is at coaching young talent. Number two, I have Donovan Mitchell. Everyone knows Donovan Mitchell, unless you are not a true NBA sports fan. Shame on you, listener. Come on. you Are, are you serious? You don't even know who Donovan Mitchell is? Come on. Come on, kid. Step up. So Donovan's averaging... 18.4 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 3.3 assists in 31 minutes per game. The Utah Jazz have been struggling a lot this season, and it's obvious they're missing Gordon Hayward. Rudy Gobert has sort of been injured a lot, so they're missing his defensive presence. So Donovan Mitchell has been really the one bright spot for the Utah Jazz that they can actually look forward to because Ricky Rubio is feeding him the ball a lot, and if you didn't know that, Ricky Rubio's on the Jazz. Just, just saying. But Donovan Mitchell, it's just, he's a scoring machine. Like whenever you watch him, he flies out of his shoes. It's actually crazy. He's only six foot three. He's a really undersized shooting guard when you think about it. Clay Thompson's six eight. Even though Clay Thompson does not look like a big dude when you think about it. But if you stand next to Clay Thompson, you're gonna be like, whoa. Well, look at this dude. But Donovan Mitchell, his vert is insane. It's like Dennis Smith Jr., who's got a forty eight inch vertical. You see Donovan Mitchell play his highlights. It's always going to be dunks, him flying out of nowhere. I mean, there was a good highlight where he jumped over Dwight Howard to get a rebound. The man's hops 
Looks like he's got bunny hops for the next 20 years at least. Looks like Kobe Bryant out there. And number one, to wrap up the podcast, episode number one, we have Mr. LSU Tiger himself. I am an LSU fan, and I love him dearly, even though he couldn't even lead us to March freaking madness, Ben Simmons. So Simmons is averaging 35 minutes per game, 17 points per game, 7.3 assists, and 8.3 rebounds from the point guard position. That is number two among all point guards in rebounds, only to Russell Westbrook. This kid is, I don't even know what planet he's from. I mean, I, I guess Australia is another planet, but dang. These stats are, I mean, who wouldn't want Ben Simmons on their team? 17 points per game. And his field goal percentage isn't bad either. He's a great shooter, even though, again, it's sort of like Lonzo. He looks constipated when he's shooting. It doesn't look very not, it doesn't look very slick. It doesn't look very Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe-esque, even though he's a lefty. So maybe James Harden-esque. But when he's on the field, his vision is easily the best among any rookie. He's just so good at finding teammates driving in kicking the ball it looks like Chris Paul except nine inches taller and again he's a great rebounder I mean the 76ers I'm I can't even imagine how hard it's gonna rebound 76ers when you got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons coming at you I mean the 76ers have sort of underperformed when you think about how weak the east is even though you know Celtics are always gonna be up there Cavs are gonna be up there Bucks are having an MVP performance season from Giannis and, you know, the Heat, I don't even know why the Heat are good. Why are the Heat good? Like, I get it. You have Whiteside and Goran Drogic, but what? You gotta, you gotta give a lot of credit to, I mean, to Pat Riley, I guess. I, I, I don't know what's happening there. So, yeah, the Heat are doing really good. But the 76ers have around a 500 record. I don't know why they're struggling so much. I get it. They're a young team. They're not used to winning. In fact, like, whenever you would name the worst team in the NBA, you would always think the 76ers. Now you would think about maybe the Brooklyn Nets, Phoenix Suns, even though Devin Booker will probably lead them to at least a playoff team in the next couple of years, even though they're in the Western Conference. But they really should be performing better. It, they're not even in the top eight for the Eastern Conference. They're not even looking like a playoff team. And you see you know, Joel Embiid talking so much trash about people. It really makes you think, why aren't you winning that many games then, bro? Why are you talking all this smack, but you're losing games? you got to think about that, Embiid. But Simmons, again, he's a freak of nature. It's a one-of-a-time prospect. He's going to be amazing. I, I can see him averaging maybe like 20 points next year, like maybe even a triple-double-esque Russell Westbrook type of season because he's really close. I mean, his stats for his rookie season are insane. He's easily the unanimous pick for rookie of the year just based on his impact and how good he is. So, um... I think we're just going to wrap it up there. I mean, this has been really fun. Uh, I hope I can do a lot more of this. So this has been the Sports Attic Podcast, episode number one. If you really do enjoy this, uh, all I ask is just return back for the next episode. If you didn't like it, eh, I understand, you know. I don't have the most podcasty voice in the world. Maybe you don't like my opinions or the way I talk like a... 16-year-old teenager, um, who knows, but, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed, and, uh, I'm out, see you later, have a good day, just remember, Taco Bell will give you diarrhea for the next three decades, so, uh, be careful, kids, Chipotle also does that, so be careful, a lot of restaurants are trying to F you up.
Peace.